Have you ever heard someone give a testimony of Jesus bringing radical transformation? Is that something that you've heard of? Because in my church experience growing up, I, I didn't hear that much. But from time to time, I'd hear stories about things like people who were addicted to drugs or alcohol who'd find Jesus and their lives would be changed. And they, they'd say that they were born again. And for some reason, those stories never really landed for me. And I've been looking back and trying to figure out why that was. I think that I had this sense in the back of my mind, like, well, that's good for them. You know, I, I'm, I'm very happy for them, but I'm not addicted to anything. So I guess I'll just probably never be able to describe myself like they do. Probably never have that kind of relationship with Jesus, I guess. So in other words, I, I wasn't actually sure that I was a bad enough person to need Jesus like those folks did. And, and so in my mind, of course I never would have said this, but this is the way, thinking back, that I thought. There were basically two types of Christians. First, there were those whose lives had been out of control uh, because of the really bad stuff that they'd done and whose lives got turned around with the help of God. And then the second type was the rest of us uh, who were basically in control of our lives and that get salvation without you know, having to hit rock bottom. But I want to just offer today a what if. <laughs> what if the first group just realizes something that the second group hasn't come to realize yet? What, what if we're actually all lost and out of control without Christ's transformation? So, so today we're looking at a section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and it's called, this section is called the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, blessed are the... Jesus highlights eight surprising situations where you can receive God's blessing. But today I'm pretty much stuck on the first one, which is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, someone who's poor in spirit, I think, knows that they don't have it all together. And so in the words of Micah 6.8, they walk humbly with their God. They have this, this spiritual poverty that makes them desperate for God's intervention. So, you know, saying that someone is poor in spirit, in a way, it's describing a certain posture of the heart. I, I think of that old hymn, Rock of Ages. You know that hymn. There's that verse in it that says, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Is that too harsh? Or, or is that reality? I think it's reality. 
The spiritually poor person says, I don't have anything to bring you, God. I, I'm messed up, but I'm done wearing my mask about it. I, you know that I struggle not to, do the th- not to do things that are wrong. You know that even the good things I do, I do with mixed motives. And so that person prays along with Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart, put a right spirit within me. So pa- Pastor Rick Warren Uh, talks about the Beatitudes as the road to recovery. As uh, his church was launching Celebrate Recovery, he preached through the Beatitudes, and and those sermons were made into a book called Life's Healing Choices uh, by a guy named John Baker. And next month, during our Sunday school hour, uh, a group is going to be working through the Beatitudes with that book, And I just want to share with you the opening sentences of Pastor Rick Warren's foreword to the book. He asks, Do you ever eat or drink more calories than your body needs? Do you ever feel you ought to exercise but don't? Do you ever know the right thing to do but don't do it? Do you ever know something is wrong but do it anyway? If you answered yes to any of the questions above, you'll know without a doubt that you are a citizen of the human race. (laughs) As fellow members of the human race, we all deal with life's hurts, hang-ups, and habits. And Jesus, who left heaven to become one of us so that he could minister to those needs, said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners." So here's the hard truth. If you think you have it all together, Christ really doesn't have anything to say to you. But what he does, what he does say with the first beatitude is that you are invited to admit the reality that you are poor in spirit, that you don't have it all together. It's our tendency to not want to admit that we have any problems. We don't want to admit to others that we have problems. We don't want to admit to God that we have problems. We don't even want to admit to ourselves that we have problems. But the reality is that we need God. And without him, we're sunk. But the good news is that Jesus wants us to come to him, problems and all, with that posture of the heart that says, I I am poor in spirit. With me, I didn't know how messed up I really was until God transformed my heart. And, And now I pray, not because it's the right thing to do, but because without him, I'm a mess. With him, though, I have the strength I need to choose the right thing. As humans, we get stuck in sin, We try to manage it, but we fail. We are most certainly not in control. We are not in control, but we really want to be in control. We want to act like we are. In John Baker's words, we want to decide for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. We want to make our own choices, call our own shots, make our own rules. In essence, we want to be God. 
And we play God by trying to control our image, other people, our problems, and our pain. So each of those, we try to control our image because we care about what people think. And we're scared about what they would think if, we knew, if, if they knew what was, you know, really going on in our lives. And so whether it's simply, you know, dressing up nice and hiding the fact that actually we're a mess inside, or if it's a, that, you know, nicely curated Facebook and Instagram profile that, with pictures that strive to keep up appearances, you know, we, we seek to be in control of our image. But we also want to control other people. Control is everywhere in relationships. Parents try to control children. Children try to control parents. Um, spouses try to control one another. Co-workers try to exert control over each other. And we use all types of nasty tools like guilt and anger and fear. We use the silent treatment in attempts to gain control over other people. We try to control our uncontrollable problems. I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, if, if you've ever used this one before. You can say to yourself, it's not really a problem. Or I don't need any help. Or I can quit anytime I want to. Or that one, God will forgive me anyway. We try to control our pain. Some people try to control their pain by eating. Other people try to postpone it by drinking too much or using drugs or taking prescription medication or uh, you know, too, too much of it or pills that don't belong to them. But sooner or later, the reality sets in. We are not in control. And when we actually realize that and admit that, then we become poor in spirit. We can finally stop trying to play God and we can start progressing in the way of Jesus. And so being poor in spirit, it starts out the Beatitudes because it's absolutely essential to anything that God wants to offer us through Jesus. We all must start here. Rick Warren and John Baker in, in the first line of, uh, in line with the, the first beatitude, they say that choice number one of life's healing choices is to realize I'm not God. And on the one hand, that feels very obvious. But they say what it means is this. It's to say, I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. If that's not an admission of spiritual poverty, then I don't know what is. So wouldn't it be wonderful to get to a place as a church where it would be okay to admit to one another that we actually don't have it all together? Actually, I'm hurting. I'm having troubles. I've been having conversations with quite a few people in our congregation who are realizing, you know, hey, there are a lot of us that are really struggling you know, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to feel like we need to hide our hurt in church, but we could be honest about it? I mean, after all, the, the church isn't supposed to be a museum for perfect people, right? It's supposed to be a hospital where the sick and the hurting can come and receive 
healing. Jesus said, I didn't come to, you know, the healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick do. So what about you? Would you consider taking that first step of admitting that you are spiritually poor? I know that this is a hard word. I know it's difficult for us to hear, but that's what humility feels like. (laughs) It's that recognition that actually we're not okay. But if you do admit that you are spiritually poor, Jesus says you'll be blessed. He says that the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. In other words, before you is available uh, what Paul calls righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God. You can exit that life of striving for control and fear of being found out for who you really are. This is for everyone. And if you'd like to explore those concepts further, even if it's just coming as an interested spectator, uh, look out for that class on life's healing choices that starts up in March. And so as we approach communion, there's no better place to be with the knowledge that we are empty and need to be filled that Jesus doesn't feed the full, but he feeds the hungry, that that we're spiritually poor. And it's God who's going to supply the meal that we need, where Christ will meet us and sustain us by the Holy Spirit.